Welcome to the Revo Podcast. Revo Church is one church in two locations with a vision to spark a revolution of life change through Jesus. We hope to accomplish this through our core values of love big, serve hard, live bold, grow deep, and move forward. For more information about our service times and locations, please visit our website at discoverrevo.com. If you are over the age of 25, you don't even know what a mixtape is. And I was worried about that. I was like, do we call this playlist or mixtape? Because I personally have never had a mixtape. Growing up, it was all CDs. That was my first music. And so, raise your hand. Do you know what a mixtape is? Everybody know? Okay, good. It's those things you buy out of the back of people's cars in the grocery store parking lot. You know, they made their own cut. Everybody? Nobody? Ever done that? Okay, ever sold those? Anybody got a mixtape? (laughs) throwback man that's old school there well look summer is here pools are open weather is blazing hot Um, some schools are already out Uh, most schools are getting out in the next couple of weeks everything is great I did get some unfortunately I got some discouraging news this week Uh, it's it's not something that we didn't see coming my wife and I uh, but it you know we're kind of wrestling with the reality of it I appreciate the thoughts and prayers um, I saw it coming for a while, but apparently the, the 2019 beach body that I thought I was going to have apparently is going to be delayed until summer 2020, and that is hurtful. I don't know if you guys, is anybody else's beach body going to be delayed a year? Okay, good. So we got a year to work for it, all right? A year is starting a new year, man. This is new year, new us. Uh, so let's start working on that. But I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, like Pastor Stephen said, we're going to start this series uh, called Mixtape, and it's going to be all about music. It's through the book of Psalms. And so if you have your Bible, you can take that next step connection card and you can stick it in the book of Psalms because we're going to go through this book for the whole summer. And uh, man, talk about the different songs. That word psalm is actually Greek for song. And so this is the song book of the early church. They would sing these songs. When you read in the New Testament about churches gathering and singing songs, this was their playlist. The book of Psalms. They would sing these songs out loud. These were their jams. This is what they would play on their iPad as they were coming in and uh, celebrating and worshiping together, whatever the first century iPad was. Uh, So I want to talk about music. That's what we're going to be talking about. This is what this book is about. And music is a really powerful thing. Uh, Music does a couple of different things for us. The the first thing that music does, one of the reasons why music is so powerful, is that music helps us to remember things. Music and rhythm and rhyme really help us to remember things. If you think back about when you were in school, one of the ways maybe that you learn new things is you would put the facts to a tune. Or you would try to make them rhyme or say them in a certain cadence. I would argue that no one in this entire room would know their ABCs if you didn't learn the song, right? Think about it. Like, you don't, you don't just look at somebody and say, what comes after L? <laughs> no, you're like, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, M. That's what comes after, right? And without a song, nobody in here knows their ABCs. We don't flashcard ABCs in the alphabet. And so it helps us to remember it. Like, I can't, it's crazy. I can't remember the password to my email. I have to reset it like once a month. 
I have to really think hard to remember my children's birthday. I know that makes me an all-star dad, but I really have to think hard and like write it down and think about the, the calendar. When I'm trying, I know I'm a pastor, but when I'm trying to memorize scripture, it is so hard. It is so difficult for me to do it. But for some odd reason, I can remember every lyric to every song on Taylor Swift's last album. I'm not bragging about that either. Like I'm, it's, I'm, I'm ashamed of it, actually. That for some reason I can think of that. But like that's what rhythm and rhyme does. Like It only takes you to listen to it one time before you realize she never misses a beat. She's lightning on her feet. And that's what they don't see. That's what they don't see. She's dancing on her own. She makes the moves up as she goes. And that's what they don't know. That's what they don't know. <laughs> like, I'm trying to memorize the Bible here, and Jesus is looking at me like, great, Nathan, right? You know Taylor Swift's song? You're like, you let that occupy your mental faculties, and you can't even memorize a verse other than John 3, 16. What is going on here? I'll tell you why. Because we remember things that are a certain rhythm and a certain rhyme, and when it gets put to music, it, it really helps us. It gets stuck in there. See, music is also powerful because music has an ability to stir our hearts. It plays with our emotions. Uh, music can make us sad, it can calm us down, and music can fire us up. Think about the last team, your, time your team played a game. If it was on TV and you look at them and they're all out on the field, what do they have? They're all wearing headphones. They're listening to music that will either focus them or clear their mind or to get them fired up. When they're in the locker room, before, when they run out on the field, what's playing? Music. It's a song that pumps them up and gets them excited. If you look at, at, at the way that music connects to our feelings, it, it's not hard to realize that there are so many songs written about people falling in love. While simultaneously people are putting out whole albums on breakups. Music just has this ability. We connect with it emotionally. It helps us to process words that we don't really know how to say, but we sing them, and it can come off of our chest like that, and we just experience them in a, in a real way. Did you know that music doesn't even have to have words to evoke a certain thought in our minds? It doesn't even have to have words. Like, I don't even have to instruct you. I can just play a song, and simultaneously, in a matter of moments, the whole room will start to do something. You want me to prove it? Some of you are like, I will not make his point. I will not do it. You cannot tell me what to do. <laughs> if you're in a big setting like that, you hear that song, and no, nobody has to say, okay, now stomp, stomp, clap, stomp, stomp, clap. No, we just start doing it. And it has that power over us, man. And, and listen, that's not by accident. God knew that. God knew that when he designed you. God knew that when he laid it out. And so it shouldn't surprise you that the Bible is written, one-third of all of the Bible is written in poetry form. Poetry that some is sung to song lyrics and notes. 
A lot of it rhymes when you look at the original Hebrew and the original Greek, and God laid that out because he knows how do people remember things, how does the word connect with people's heart, and how does it stir their soul, and how do they not see, like we don't feel with words, we feel with our feelings, how can God connect those two things, and he laid out so much of the scriptures, so much of the love letter that God wrote to you and to me, he laid it out through music through rhythm and rhyme. We don't just think about life, we feel life. We don't just think about God and think about the things going on around us, we feel them. And so it's no surprise that God knows these, designed us that way, and even laid out his truths in such a way as that. So over the summer, we're going to take a look at some of the most popular songs in all of Scripture. These are the big songs. If you want to know what the New Testament early church was singing, how they opened up their worship gatherings, and when it says they sung songs together, these are the hits. These are the songs that they would Sing And so we're going to start, because we're starting the series, we're going to start in uh, Psalm chapter 1. Just seemed like an obvious place to start. Psalm chapter 1, and we're going to see the first song that David lays out for us. Let me read Psalm chapter 1, just starting in verse 1. Blessed is the one, David says. Blessed or happy is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. So cool that one of the first songs that David writes in the book of Psalms, King David is the one that wrote the book of Psalms, one of the first songs that he writes could be titled, like Pharrell Williams, Happy. He says, hey, you want, you want to know what it means to be happy? Does anybody want to be happy in here? Like, does anybody desire that? Because he says, happy is the one. Blessed is the one. Blessed is another word for happy. Happy is the one. So he gets everybody's attention right from the get-go. Do you want to be happy? Is that a desire of yours? I want to show you. I want to give you some secrets to happiness. Cat's getting ready to be out of the bag, right? I'm going to share with you attributes of what it means to be happy. A happy guy that starts out with the secrets of happiness. And, and I would argue this. If I would ask every person in this room what you really want out of life, I mean deep down what you really desire in life, I bet every one of you would say, I just want to be happy. Now you may not say those words. You may say something like, well, I, I want to be healthy, or I want to have more money, or I want to have a bigger house, or I want to have a better job, or I want to have like a big family, or I want to get married, or I want to have a relationship. So you might not say it, but, but ultimately we believe those things will produce happiness in our lives, and that's why we want them. We don't want a family just for the sake of a family. We think that's going to make us happy. We don't want more money just so that we can count it every night. We think that's going to make us happy. Deep down, our desire is just to be happy. Just to try to figure out how we can be happy. And it's amazing in our day and age, in our culture, in our country, the void of happiness. You would think the most prosperous time in the history of our nation, the richest nation with the most freedoms, not, not just in the world today, but in the history of mankind. But yet, studies show, a, a recent Pew Research poll reports that only 30% of Americans will claim and admit that they are happy. Seven out of ten people that live in our country, when they were asked the question, are you happy, their answer was no. Do you know that right now, 
the suicide rate for Americans under the age of 30 is at an all-time high. More young adults in our country are taking their own lives than ever in the history of our country. Can you, can you imagine being so unhappy that you want to take your own life? 25% of women in America, according to Time Magazine, are on antidepressants. One out of every four women are so unhappy that they want to take medication to try to turn it around, to try to feel something other than despair and disappointment and emptiness and discouragement. So unhappy, it's painfully obvious that everybody in our world wants to be happy, but so few people actually ever obtain it and ever reach that point. Now, I know, I know some of you are thinking in your mind, like, you know, you've heard this before, like, happiness is not the only thing in life. Like, well, you know, happiness isn't the most important thing. You don't have to be happy. Like, just be responsible or just be, like, well, okay, whatever, Mr. Grinch. Like, here's the problem with that. Scripture makes it very clear that God's purpose and design for your life is that you would be happy. Like, that's the way he designed it. He says, man, I'm designing your life in such a way, and the way that I lay it out, the purpose and the path and the plan that I have will result in happiness. So whether you want it or not, that's the way that God designed your life. And so David says, hey, if you want to be happy, you want to, I'm going to share with you how to be happy in this first verse. And here's the first point. Here's the first idea. If you want to be happy, then you need to understand this. You're happy is in direct correlation with who is in your life. The people that you are surrounded by will determine your level of happiness. He makes it clear. He says, blessed is one. Happy is the one. You want to know who's happy? It's the person that does not walk in step with the wicked. The person that does not stand in the way that the sinners take and does not sit in the company of mockers. David makes it very clear, if you are going to be happy, there's a characteristic and a trait of happy people. They are careful who they allow to influence their life, who they keep in, and who they keep out. I would bet you that if you really thought about why you were unhappy, you could relate it directly to a relationship that you have in your life. There are people in your life that are chasing happiness in places that they will never find happiness in. And if you surround yourself with those people, it will not be long before you will be looking for happiness in those places too. Maybe you have friends that are convinced, if I just had more money, I'd be happy. And they're spending all of their time at work, spending, saving as much as they can, investing, and they're, they're just consumed. If I just reach the next financial level, then I'll be happy. And guess what? They've surpassed that level so many times, and they're still not there. And if you surround yourself by those people, then you will be on the fast track to pursuing money for the sake of happiness. David says, look, man, you want to be happy? Surround yourself with people that are in the pursuit of happiness, going in the direction and finding it where it actually lives. Don't surround yourself with people that are wasting time. Don't surround yourself with people that are moving in the opposite direction, trying to get happiness from things that never are going to deliver. Because you'll reach your destination after all of that time and after all of those steps and realize that you are still empty, much like most of the world. I love the imagery that David uses here. He says you're walking down a path 
there is a road that you are walking down. Blessed, blessed is the one that, that doesn't step in the wicked, that doesn't in the path, and is sitting down along the way of the journey with, with certain people. Well, what is walking down a path? I like the imagery because it's so simple. What is walking down a path? It's every day you and I are taking small steps. And if you live long enough, ultimately your small steps that you take every day are going to lead you to a destination. Like you're going to look, I don't know if it's this week, next year, or in 25 years, eventually you're going to realize every step, every decision, every word, every action, every attitude that you choose every single day is ultimately walking you down a path. And that path will lead to a destination. And can I just remind you that God has a destiny and a purpose for your life already? And not only does God have a destiny and a purpose, but he actually has a path that he's designed for your life to walk down. And can I promise you something right now? That if you don't learn how to identify that path and take small steps down that path, then you will go down a path that you think is leading you to happiness only to come up empty every single time. Happy is the man that does not get on the wrong path. Happy is the one that focuses on the right things and understands that every single day is a little step. Let me, let me speak like outside of the spiritual aspect of life. If I told you guys, like I, I'm on a, at the beginning of 2019, I started a weight loss journey, okay? So I started a weight, <laughs> somebody laughed, ouch. <laughs> oh man, a short journey. Okay, you got jokes. All right, so if I said I'm starting in January on a weight loss journey, right? And I said, here's the deal. I got steps laid out, okay? Here's my steps. Every morning, I'm going to get up, and I'm eating donuts for breakfast. Every morning, Krispy Kreme, hot now, right off the glazer. Every morning, I'm doing that. I'm cutting out all vegetables. Fruit has sugar in it, not good for you. Vegetables, like cutting out all of that, I'm doing just carbs. Every night before I go to bed, it's part of my strict regimen, I get the biggest bowl of ice cream that I can find in my house, and that's what I eat. Now, what if I told you that, and here we are in June, and I stand in front of you and say, guys, you know what? I just can't figure out why the weight's not coming off. I can't figure out that my after picture actually looks worse than my before picture. And you would look at me, and you would say, well, it's simple. Every day, you've taken small steps. For the past six months, every day, you have made little decisions, and it has brought you to your destiny. And David says, bingo, every day you have taken small steps in your spiritual life, and you are either walking closer to God or you are walking further away from God. And one day you will look up and realize that you have either reached a destination of intimacy and happiness with him, or you'll realize you are empty yet again from chasing the wrong thing. Every little step in our lives, relationally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, every person in here is taking steps towards some destination on some path. I just need for you to know that God has a destination and has a path, and it is the only path that will result in your happiness. And David begs in the first two verses, what path are you on? What little decisions are you making today? Who are you surrounding yourself with that is shaping your ideology behind happiness? And is that really where you want to go? 
Is that really the destination that you're trying to reach? Happy is the one that does not go down the wrong path. But verse 2, but, but happy is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. You want to know how to be happy? Delight in the law of the Lord and who meditates on the law day and night. Now I had to read that verse a few times. Because those words usually don't go together. Like happy is the one who knows all the laws and obeys them. Because there have been times in my life, i got to be careful because my mom and dad are here today, there have been times in my life where I broke the law and it was pretty fun. And where I kept the law and it almost felt like some of the fun was being robbed from me. And so this guy says, hey, you really want to be happy? Understand the law. Know the law. The word that he says is meditate on it. That word translates murmur. You know what murmur is? It's what happens when you get a good song stuck in your head. You can't help but to sing it. You're walking around and you're just like singing, shake it off, shake it off. You don't even know you're doing it. Next thing you know, you're dancing. David says the happiness comes from the guy whose words on his lips are the words of the law that God has given. They are the guardrails that God has put up. See, not only does God have a road for you to walk down, praise God, he puts some guardrails on that road. And so we see here, if you want the second step to happiness, you really want to know how to be happy in this life. I'm telling you, you're not going to understand it when I say it. Just hang on with me. Don't turn it off. In order to be happy, you and I need boundaries. We need guardrails in our life. And I know that sounds weird. You're like, I don't want rules. I don't want to be told what I can and can't do. Like that, That's the part about the Bible I don't like. The thou shouts and the thou shalt nots. Like that's where you lose me. That's, that's where it doesn't sound fun anymore. Let, let me bring it back to a, a modern day example. I'll, I'll tell you this. If you're a parent, you know this, and maybe you're living this right now. But there are two ways for you to ruin your kids. The first way is to overwhelm them with rules and boundaries. And the second way is to give them no rules and boundaries. Like you want to ruin a kid, like put so many constricting rules on them and give them no freedom. I'll give you a heads up. That's going to last until about 12th grade. And then when they get to college, they're going to get a little taste of freedom and they're going to like the way it tastes. <laughs> Or you can look at a kid and say, do whatever you want, say whatever you want, eat whatever you want, wear whatever you want, study. If you don't want to study, don't study. If you don't want to go to school, don't go to school. There are no boundaries. This is free-range parenting here. And watch how that ruins your kid's life. And I know it sounds weird, but the guardrails that God has placed on our life is actually for our happiness for our safety, for our freedom. Think about it like this. Did you know if we didn't have traffic laws that our roads would be a mess? You couldn't get anywhere without getting in a traffic jam or like what side of the road do we drive on or like seeing two guys fighting on the side of the road or wrecks everywhere. Like I, I know we're like, oh, speed limit. We ought to just be able to do it. Like you don't want that. Those boundaries allow us to get from one place to another in a reasonable amount of time. Those boundaries ensure our safety. Those guardrails that we have put up are the only reason we have the ability to drive the way that we do. And David says, if you want to walk in happiness, if you want to stay on the path, you've got to understand the guardrails that God has in his word are actually there for your protection. You will thrive in that environment. You will stay safe. You will stay on the path and reach the destination if you understand that boundaries are a really good thing. 
And let me give you another example of boundaries. Um, when you went to college, uh, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Uh, a lot of people gain what we like to call a freshman 15. All right? So I've been chubby my whole life. So I gained my freshman 15 before college. But here's how it happens. You ready? Here's how it happens. Your skinny, disciplined self goes to college. And when your parents leave and drop you off, your refrigerator is completely empty. So you go to the grocery store, possibly for the very first time, by yourself. And you catch yourself in the middle of the potato chip, cheese whiz, beef jerky aisle. And something hits you. There's no one here to tell me what I can and can't eat. And there's no one here to tell me when I can and can't eat. If I want to eat Pizza Hut at 3 a.m., then doggone it, I'm going to eat Pizza Hut at 3 a.m. And all of a sudden, we have all of the freedoms with none of the boundaries. And you know what happens? 15 pounds. Some of you was 20. (laughs) And you realize what happens when you have freedom without boundaries See, it makes so much sense. We look at all those and we're like, yeah, of course, it makes so much sense. And David said, it's the same spiritually. Like there are guardrails that you need to brace. There are boundaries that God has. And you may look at them and be like, what's the deal with the rules? Thou shalt not. And thou shalt Try being happy without them and see how far it gets you. Because stats say the culture is screaming that no one is happy. And it's in direct correlation with the fact that no one cares what God says. And no one is living their life by the guard rules and the purpose and the path that he has laid out. So David says, man, not only is there a path, not only do you have to watch out who you're surrounded by, but like God gives you some guardrails to keep you where you need to go. Verse, verse 3, he said, that person, you know the happy person? That happy person is like a tree planted by streams of water. And when a tree is planted by streams of water, here's what happens. It bears fruit. It will produce things in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. The happy person is prospering. Whatever they do is prosperous. They're alive, man. They're they're thriving. They're flourishing in their life. And David kind of gives us the insight. Here's here's the, the key The tree, their life, is planted by a source of life. If your life is not planted by the true source of happiness, you will never be happy. I don't care where you plant your life. I don't care how many different places you try to drop the tree of your life in. And you see this all the time. People trying to take their life. You know what? I'm going to drop it in the money pile. And I'm telling you, if I get enough of it or I stay in it long enough or I pursue it long enough, then one day I'll be happy. And they never produce the happiness in their life. So they'll pick it up and they'll put it in something else. And they'll try that for a living. And they pick it up and put it in something else. And they can't figure out why there's no life. Well, you're not planted in the source of life. I, uh, I went to Walmart this morning and I, I bought this tree. I don't know what kind of tree it is. It was on sale. Uh, but I bought this tree. And uh, it was funny. I bought this little container as well. And as I was checking out, uh, the old uh, hot shot guy checking me out. Uh, was obviously judging me because he he looked at what I was buying and I had it inside like this and he looked at me and he said now you know that's not going to grow and I said well you don't you don't know you haven't heard the illustration yet so you don't know if it's going to work or not so (laughs) like stay out of my business (laughs) no he said but no like if you think that tree is going to grow in that pot it's not going to work like you can't you can't 
It'll, it'll never, this is a, I think he said it was a plum tree. He doesn't know, though, obviously. Like, come on. Uh, he was just trying to sell it to me. Uh, do you like plums? Yeah, that's a plum tree. It's never going to grow in that pot. It has to deep go, grow down. The roots have to find a source of water. It has to spread out or it will never produce fruit. That was so obvious that, like, the guy at Walmart wanted to make sure I knew that. He thought it was so obvious. Why is it that so many times in our lives, something that is so obvious, that we will try to plan our lives in something other than Jesus, and we'll take a step back and say, yep, that'll grow. Just leave it there long enough. I'm telling you, maybe by next week, I'm going to leave it here. There's no sunlight coming in here, no water in here, no room for it to grow. Next week, we're probably going to have some plums. And we laugh at that. But you know, I meet people every week that are convinced, oh, man, I got my, hey, I got my tree planted in the right thing. Won't be long for I'll be happy. And I just want to look at them and be like, hey, buddy, you know that's never going to work, right? You know you'll, you'll never be happy, right? You know that's not going to produce the desired result that you want, right? And David makes an obvious statement. He's just like, you want the tree to grow? you got to plant it by water. And everybody heard, heard that was like, duh, <laughs> like, duh. And David's like, well, how are you missing it in your spiritual life? Duh. How, how are you missing it? Why are you searching for happiness in so many other places? It, it's like planting a tree in sand or planting it in water. Or just leaving a big tree in a small pot. It doesn't work. How many times are you going to put your tree and invest your life and put your focus and hope in something that is going to leave you hopeless every single time? Happiness cannot be found in those areas. King David says the person that plants their life beside the source of life will always thrive. And I, and I love, I really appreciate how David says this. David does not say that life will not be hard if you plant your life by the stream. He does not say it will not get hot. He says you will thrive despite the circumstances. So many people are convinced, hey, you give your life to Jesus, you do the right thing, you'll never have a bad day. You'll, you'll, you'll be great from here on out. You'll never struggle. You'll never have any pain. You'll never have bad relationships. Your health will be perfect. You're, you're going to have so much money, you're not going to know what to do with it. That's not what David says. David does not say, plant your tree by the source of life, and it will rain the perfect amount every day, and it will always be around 82 degrees. Nope. He says, plant your life by the source of happiness, and even when difficult days come, you will not wither and die. You will thrive in spite of your circumstances. You ever met people like that? Super attractive. Even though they're facing difficulty, they have not lost their joy and happiness. Even though they don't have massive amounts of money, they're some of the happiest people you know. You want to know why? Because their happiness isn't contingent on some bucket that they're putting their life in. They're connected to the true source of life. And no matter how hot it gets, no matter how bad the drought is, their leaves never wither and their life never falls apart. Why? Because they know where true happiness comes from and what it's connected to. David said, man, what, what source are you planting your life by? Man, don't, don't plant your tree in a bag of salt and think it's going to grow. 
Don't, don't plant your, like, don't just leave the tree on the stage with no dirt and think, yeah, there'll be some plums here soon. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. What are you planting your life around? He said, man, plant it with the source of life. Verse 4, not so the wicked. You want to know the people that are not happy? They, they don't plant their tree by the stream. And these people, they're like the chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of righteousness. He says people that are on the wrong path, people that plant their life in the wrong bucket, here's the thing, their life withers and dies. As soon, I know it looks good right now. It looks, it looks healthy and happy and green and lush. But eventually this dies. Eventually it withers away and the leaves will fall off and the whole tree will die. If you're not connected to the true life source. Last verse. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. When I first uh, started driving I had a GPS. One of those little things that the suction cup on the window that you plug into the little cigarette lighter. And I would plug in the destination and it would give me the route to get there. It would give me, show me turn by turn directions. But when I got a smartphone... I got this new app, and these apps that are GPS apps, here's what they'll do. They will give you live updates all along your route. I've got this app that will tell me if there's traffic in any section of my, my route. And it'll say, hey, you know, there, there's a big wreck on, on 40, so you want to take this detour, and it'll automatically reroute me even before I get there. This app will tell me if there's a police officer on the side of the road. For those of you that choose to exceed the speed limit occasionally. So that you can slow down ahead of time. This will tell you like if there's a piece of debris in the road, like if there's a chunk of tire or somebody's bumper or a, a big box or a bunch of trash in the road. It'll tell you ahead of time, say, hey, watch out because in about a mile ahead, there's going to be some debris that you need to watch out for. And if you don't watch out for it, it's going to cost you more time. It's going to cost you more pain. It's going to cost you your destiny and, and your future. It's just going to be awful. And here's what David says, For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous. The Lord looks and says, Hey, there's something ahead. There's a decision coming up. And listen, man, if you'll listen to me, if you keep your eyes focused on me, then I can steer you clear of any pain. And I can help you. And I know it's going to seem like a little bit of inconvenience to go out of your way, but if you'll trust me that you don't want to go down that path, and if you'll follow me, then I'll, I'll lead you to your destination and you'll get there. Just trust me. Hey, there's a roadblock up here and you don't want to get stuck there. I'm telling you, you don't want to go down that path. I know you can't see it, but right up here, you're going to go up over that hill. And as soon as you come to the top of the hill, all you're going to see is miles and miles of brake lights. You need to exit right here. Just listen to me and trust me. The Lord guides the path of the righteous, but the ways of the wicked lead to destruction. It's like the old GPS. You got your whole life planned out. You got the whole way, and it, it seems like every mile you run into a roadblock. You run into something that breaks you down, something that slows you up, something that discourages you, and you had dreams of your future and your destiny and your happiness, and it never works out the way that you thought it would. 
And David says, there's someone greater. There's something better. There's a better way. Put your hope and your faith and your trust in the path that God has for you. Understand the guardrails are there. The detours are there for your safety, for your freedom, for your enjoyment, and for your happiness. Do you want to be happy or not? You want to be happy? Trust in the Lord and he will guide you every step of the way. Small steps every single day which leads to a destination of happiness beyond your wildest dreams. Secrets out. That's how you be happy. In a world that is desperate for happiness, that is searching to implant their life in any semblance of joy, Anything that has a glimpse of bringing them some satisfaction, people are investing their entire lives in it. I'm here to tell you the only way is Jesus. There's one path to happiness. There's one purpose. There's one guide that can get you there. Put your faith and your hope and your trust in him this morning.